Good afternoon and welcome to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors meeting for today, December 12th, 2023, our last meeting of the calendar year. Madam Clerk, will you please call the roll? Thank you, Mr. President. Supervisor Chan. Chan present, Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey present, Supervisor Engardio. Engardio present, Supervisor Mandelman. Mandelman present, Supervisor Melgar. Melgar present, Supervisor Peskin. Present. Peskin present, Supervisor Preston. Preston present, Supervisor Ronan. Ronan present, Supervisor Safayi. Safayi present, Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie present, and Supervisor Walton. Walton present. Mr. President, all members are present. Thank you, Madam Clerk. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors acknowledges we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their tradition, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Madam Clerk, do we have any communications? Yes, Mr. President. Uh, on behalf of the Board of Supervisors, all interested persons in this meeting are welcome to the Board's Legislative Chamber here in City Hall, second floor, room 250. Or you may watch the meeting on SFGOV-TV's channel 26 or view the live stream at www.sfgovtv.org. To submit your public comment in writing, send to, send to the email address bos at sfgov.org or via U.S. Postal Service to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, the number one Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, City Hall, room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. Uh, to make a reasonable accommodation request under the Americans with Disabilities Act or to request language assistance, please contact the clerk's office at least 48 hours in advance uh, by calling 415-554. 5184. And Mr. President, at the appropriate time, through a previous arrangement, we are uh, prepared to provide that accommodation uh, to an individual who has requested that at the beginning of the meeting. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Would you please call our special order 2 p.m. mayor's appearance before the board? A special order at 2 p.m. is the Honorable Mayor London N. Breed, who is present in the chamber to have a policy discussion with eligible members of the board who timely submitted topics. The mayor may address the board initially for up to five minutes. Mm -hmm. The discussion shall not exceed two minutes per question or answer. Mayor Breed, welcome. Do you have any opening remarks? Yes, thank you, President Peskin and members of the Board of Supervisors and members of the public. We have hit a new milestone in our work around homelessness. Since 2018, we have now helped over 13,000 households exit homelessness. 
That means helping people reach permanent supportive housing placements, rental subsidies, relocation assistance, and financial assistance. This is in addition to the thousands of people that we help with shelter every day. This is, again, a huge success. Last year was our largest year ever for this work, and we are continuing the same momentum this year so far. I really want to thank all of the HSOC team, all of the staff, the nonprofit workers who made this happen. So much effort has gone into this, and we've cut the bureaucracy to move housing projects faster. We've streamlined the and improved strategies to fill vacancies. We've worked to get support from the state, including Governor Newsom, with Project Home Key, which has delivered funding for over 800 homes. San Francisco is delivering more housing than any other county in the Bay Area. Not per capita. We have more than what anyone else has, period. This is a huge success, but there is, of course, so much more work to do. We have more projects coming in the pipeline, including sites dedicated to youth. We are adding more shelter beds to temporarily stabilize people who need help. And we will continue to confront the challenges around those who won't come indoors off the streets. The more resources we commit to this, the more we will see the dividing line between those who want support and those who will not or cannot accept help in any way. So far this year, our homeless outreach teams have conducted operations and brought 1,500 people into shelter. That's a huge number, but that's only 37% of the people that they encounter. 63% of the people are already either housed and sheltered or refuse offers of shelter. Here are just a few examples from last week. At Baker and Fell, HSOC encountered 12 people. One accepted help, 11 refused. At Merlin and Harrison, HSOC encountered 11 people. Three accepted shelter, two were already housed or sheltered, six refused help. At San Bruno and Alameda, HSOC encountered 17 people, six accepted shelter, 11 refused help. This is what our encampment teams encounter daily. Those who refuse services suffer from addiction and need help and want help but many are also using tents to sell drugs for human trafficking and other unfortunate things. Encampment fires are also now a major public safety issue. Homelessness remains a challenge that we are willing to take with the resources and the efforts necessary to combat them. But we have to be honest. A lot of what we are seeing on our streets has a lot to do with, sadly, what's happening with fentanyl. People who are so addicted that they cannot accept help and the services that they need. We need to bring temporary treatment opportunities, accountability, alongside the housing and the shelter that we offer. And that's why, while other counties are waiting to implement this new conservatorship law, for a year or two, San Francisco is moving full speed ahead. And there will always be excuses for people who say we should wait, or we should hold on, or we shouldn't do this, or I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in pushing solutions and moving as quickly as possible because this is how we deal with the challenges that we face. This is how we save lives. So thank you all so much for the opportunity to be here and answer your questions.
Thank you, Mayor Breed. Madam Clerk, if you could please call the first topic from District 1 Supervisor Chan. Yes, the topic is public safety in neighborhood commercial corridors. Supervisor Chan, please ask your question. Thank you. Uh, Mayor Bree, I'm pleased that you finally came to the um, Outer Richmond last Tuesday uh, since the murder of our shop clerk at the Richmond Market. We heard from our merchants about your visit, and I'm hoping it means you directly heard their concerns and ready to respond to the needs in the Richmond. Uh, for my question today, uh, as I have done in the past, I asked the District 1 residents to weigh in on issues they would like to bring to your attention. Today's question uh, comes from Shayla, uh, living in the inner Richmond, and this is her question word for word. Uh, regarding your recent suggestions to have more police officers downtown, hasn't this been tried and failed before? Don't you think it might be more helpful to increase funding for social services to get those in need off the streets. What are you doing about homelessness? Um, and I agree with Shayla that we need more social services in the Richmond. And along with increase of homelessness, we have also seen increase of break-ins in our small businesses. Uh, a murder occur, as I mentioned earlier, uh, at the Richmond market. Our Asian elders continue worrying about their safety, uh, waiting at the bus stops and on the bus. They're reluctant to go out or shop. Uh, all calls to attention our needs for more resources in the Richmond. So adding to Shayla's question, with a sense of urgency, what is your immediate plan for action to expand both social services as well as public safety resources in District 1. Mayor Breed, you may respond to Supervisor Chan's opening question. Thank you for your question, Supervisor Chan. And I just want to start with some of the work that we've already done to try and focus our resources and attention on not only staffing up the police department as a whole, and we're seeing increase in the number of applications we're getting, as well as academy classes, and we think that it has not um, gonna make a difference. It's already made a difference with the work that we're doing around retail theft and car break-in. So I'm really grateful to the San Francisco Police Department for the great work that they're doing. One of the things that you had requested is for ambassadors, retired police officers along Clement Street in particular, that is already happening. Um, we believe that some of the needs that we have, because let's be real, we cannot make sure that a police officer is at every corner at every given day, every given time, as much as we wanna see more beat officers and more officers walking the streets, when they get a call, a 911 call for any capacity, it means that they leave those neighborhoods and have to go to respond to them. So part of it is, of course, gonna be ambassadors, part of it's gonna be police officers and social services, including money that I provided in my budget to support Community Youth Center, which they are building a location out in your district. Um, we provided some additional support to many of the nonprofit organizations that serve the community in the area. Uh, and more recently, I think um, what we are trying to do around surveillance technology can be very transformative. Um, the grant that we receive from the state to uh, put cameras in various intersections, 100 intersections throughout San Francisco, uh, we think the license plate reader technology would be very helpful, and we are looking forward to making sure that that technology is used in a way to help us combat some of the situations that you're speaking to. Um, it's not a one thing or another, it's a all of it. 
um, and all the things that we need to do as a city to try and make sure that neighborhoods that are on the west side of the city receive the support and the services necessary to combat many of the challenges that exist there. Uh, but when you look at the data in comparison to other parts of the city, there are smaller numbers, we know, but it doesn't matter, the data doesn't matter if something happens to you. So we are definitely committed to continuing the work that we have been doing to support the community. Thank you, Mayor Breed. Supervisor Chan, you may now ask a follow-up question directly related to your opening question, if you so choose. Okay. So, uh, and now, Mayor Breed, you may uh, ask a follow-up question, if you so choose. Well, I, I do want to bring up something, too, um, because when we talk about public safety, um, clearly the residents of the Richmond want to see us do more. And part of doing more uh, involves the work that we do at the Board of Supervisors when there are policies that either you as members of the board move forward or me as the mayor move forward. And in fact, when we receive the grant um, to provide for the license plate readers and the technology, um, we asked President of the Board of Supervisors, Aaron Peskin, to waive the 30-day rule, which he did because we understood the urgency and the need to put this legislation forward and get it on the streets as quickly as possible. We asked for support from Supervisor Dorsey and his committee, but we asked for support from the Budget Committee and didn't receive the same kind of support, which has led to a four-week delay in implementing this policy, which is a part of our public safety strategy in the city and county of San Francisco. And the one question I would ask, Supervisor, if I could you know, rely on your help and your support as the chair of the budget committee to be more supportive of the policies that we move forward that involve helping to address public safety. Supervisor Chan. More than happy to always be in supportive of the policy that has been vetted and go through the appropriate channels and process, uh, but not at the expense of skipping uh, transparency and skipping the process that has always been around as a legislative process. Uh, the grant, a settlement expenses uh, grant so, uh, resolution that you have mentioned, Madam Mayor, uh, it really requires uh, the approval for the board's policy uh, adoption first before we can accept the money and to allow the department to spend it. In fact, that is before us today uh, for approval at the full board in case you haven't noticed. Um, so I just wanted to say that absolutely, we have always been your partner time and time again through the budget process and again as a budget committee chair that we have uh, provide you the support. I mean, Frankly, it is uh, difficult to understand if you have announced this grant in September, why did it not take place until now? I think the question is back to your administration, to how do we make sure when it is with a sense of urgency that we do this accordingly in a timely fashion at the time of your announcement, press announcement, so we can definitely uh, step up to the plate to make sure that we're ready uh, to keep San Francisco safe. Thank you. I heard a question in there. Uh, well, I will rise to a point of information, which is a fact that there was a one-month delay between the announcement and the introduction. That is a true fact. I think, uh, I don't know if I heard a question. Was there a question in that? I don't think you, I think it was a statement. So I think that concludes the District 1 topic discussion. 
Uh, and the next topic submitted by the representative of District 11, Supervisor Safai. Is Madam the, Clerk, is you, the Ocean View Library. All thank, right. thank you, Madam President, Madam Clerk. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, as you know, District 11 has the largest population of both young children and families and senior aging in place in the entire city. Yet the Lakeview OMI neighborhood also has the smallest neighborhood library in the city. Um, it was built uh, very quickly by Mayor Brown 23 years ago, um, less than 9,000 square feet. So only half an elementary school can enter at a time. The children must enter the library in shifts, otherwise it would be too crowded. Um, and this is an absolute disservice to our children and youth. The city has spent much time and resources in developing a design and project assessment report, which has been reviewed by the planning department, initially supported by the library and public works and the MTA. In addition to response concerns of traffic and pedestrian safety, both the MTA and the Transportation Authority are conducting independent studies to improve the intersection at Brotherhood Way in Orizaba in the area. After countless community meetings in 2019 and outpouring of support, the proposed location of Brotherhood Way in Orizaba is the community's choice for a new library, and traffic studies prove it will be safe. Uh, yet your administration continues to delay it as you've instructed your city librarian to look at alternative locations. Um, he even has been meeting with some community leaders causing confusion about where the future location will be. Um, and they're looking at private owned land, no less, uh, that would result in much higher costs and a smaller library. The community I represent wants to see this library project move forward now. Um, it's been over four years. They deserve this much needed resource. So my question to you, Mayor Brady, is will you commit today to come together and work with me and the Lakeview community to build the Ocean View Library at the chosen location of Brotherhood Way in Orizaba? Mayor Breed, you may respond to Supervisor Safai's question. Well, thank you for your question, Supervisor. And I think that it's important that we are all speaking from the same level of facts. The fact is, in 2018, there was funding to do a rehab and a commitment by the city and county of San Francisco to do rehabilitation work for the existing library in an OMI. And as a result of some of the uh, work that the community did, um, and you were a part of this, the community decided that they didn't just want to rehab, they wanted a brand new library. And a brand new library comes with a much larger price tag than what was allocated for this particular branch. We were able to get some additional grant monies. We have been able to uh, be as creative as possible in looking for the resources necessary uh, because this project has increased uh, four times the amount of the money allocated. So it's not as simple as this is what we want to do and making it happen without the financial resources to make it happen. I also think that, you know, the, the community is divided. Um, it is, you know, from some, some seniors and, and some people who are part of the OMI community, they are not completely convinced that Brotherhood Way is the right location. There are some major traffic concerns about what that would entail. Um, and there's some mixed feelings about the specific location of where the library uh, could be as an alternative location. Um, as I said, the money that was earmarked many, many uh, years ago 
to do the rehabilitation is still in place and, and ready to go. I do understand the desire from the community to see something bigger, to see uh, something better. Uh, but we also need to make sure that in this decision, it's responsible and geographically it's the right location uh, and it sends the right message in terms of how we plan to construct this as a library that not only provides the resources that library provides, but some of the requests from the community includes a community room and other things. So I think there are different messages from members of the community. Um, there isn't enough money to make this happen as quickly as you think it should, and there isn't consensus around the location that you're speaking to as it relates to this library. Thank you, Mayor Breed, Supervisor Safai. Do you have a follow-up question? Yes. Go ahead. So prior to this budget cycle, Madam Mayor, we were working with the city librarian, public works director, Carlos Short, and the city attorney uh, to transfer the land as of September 22. I have correspondence from the city librarian in early July of 2022 saying he recently met with Director Short, the Department of Public Works, Director Pennett, to discuss the property transfer. Public Works is researching what needs to be done so that we can transfer interdepartmental transfer for the Brotherhood site. However, in June of 23, all conversations of transfer halted in public hearings in June 16th and 22nd. The library started to refuse to committing to the Brotherhood site after they had poured a lot of money, resources, selecting the site, design and gathering, funding for it. Actually, there's over $30 million in reserve. There's enough money to begin this process and to design in the community. And I can tell you as someone that's represented that community for seven years, there is pretty clear unanimity on that site. So my question back to you then is, and then we also have a traffic study and a letter from, you were, you were, you were mentioning traffic information. Director Tumlin states, funding, planning, implementation can be fully independent of any adjacent land uses, including potential siting of the public library at this location. So what changed between September 22nd and September 23, uh, June 23, for the library uh, to move forward on this location, Madam Mayor? Mayor Breed. Uh, again, I go back to, I think we're not speaking from the same set of facts, and I don't deviate from what I just said as it relates to um, the location that you're speaking to, there is not consensus. There's not f sufficient revenue to move this project forward. But I am more than happy to work with you and the community on allocating the already budgeted resources if if they want to move quickly, I mean, the pandemic had an impact on moving this project forward in the past. If they want to move quickly, we have the resources to do the rehabilitation work that we committed to for the existing library, but an entirely new library um, in the location that you're asking for it to be is not something that is in line to happen at this time. Um, and again, there isn't enough money uh, there isn't consistent consensus on whether or not this is the appropriate location. Um, and not to mention, I think, um, in light of where we are with a significant budget deficit, we need to start thinking about, you know, how we are going to start cutting costs uh, on issues that um, impact our 
uh, overall spending in San Francisco. We have, you know, spent a lot of uh, money during good times and have enjoyed good times in order to do, you know, major projects of this magnitude. But in light of our upcoming budget deficit, we're going to have to reevaluate and rethink projects that have not already started and think about other ways to get those projects done. But again, I go back to the fact that there isn't enough money, there isn't consensus on the location, but I am always here to work with the community to find a solution that's a win-win to deliver what it is that the community uh, wants and deserves. Thank you, Mayor Reed. Do you have a question for Supervisor Safai? Not at this time, thank you. Okay, uh, with no question from the mayor, uh, that concludes question time for today. Thank you, Mayor Breed, thank and you. have a good rest of the week. Madam Clerk, would you please uh, read the approval of the minutes? Right after the minutes. Yes, we have approval of the November 7th, 2023 board meeting minutes. Is there a motion to approve made by Supervisor Mandelman? Is there a second? Second by Supervisor Dorsey. A roll call on the motion, please. On the minutes, Supervisor Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Supervisor Melgar. Melgar, aye. Supervisor Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Supervisor Preston. Preston, aye. Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, aye. Supervisor Safayi. Safayi, aye. Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie, aye. Supervisor Walton. Walton, aye. Supervisor Chan. Chan, aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. And Supervisor Engardio. And Supervisor Engardio. Engardio, aye. There are 11 ayes. The minutes will be approved at, uh, as presented after public comment. Madam Clerk, I believe we have a special accommodation, if you could please call that. Yes, Mr. President, I'm going to ask my staff to uh, let's have the individual who's requested an ADA accommodation make his public comment now. Welcome. Hi, thank you. I'm starting a timer now. Thank you for this accommodation. This is at Disability Activism SF. That's at Disability Activism SF. And uh, I want to speak very briefly just to Mayor Breed's uh, recent uh, share that um, I do not share her optimism. Um, she has publicly blasted the Coalition on Homelessness after filing lawsuits, uh, a lawsuit against the city because Department of Public Works has been throwing away people's disability aids, homeless people's prosthetic limbs, and their wheelchairs. Um, and the mayor, of course, closed the very important Tenderloin Linkage Center, um, in addition to many other attacks on our homeless and many of whom are disabled uh, residents. Um, so when she talks about we having successes, that we means the Coalition on Homelessness and the very hardworking activists that frequently have to oppose her policies, including her recent policy against rent control, which she did not show up for uh, for the Board of Supervisors uh, last month, which was quite frustrating. Um, I also want to speak in support of Supervisor Dean Preston, who has been attacked mercilessly, um, especially by anti-Semite uh, billionaire Elon Musk, who said that he should be jailed. Uh, there should be strong opposition to this kind of uh, defamation and hateful language and in support of our city supervisor. And lastly, I want to speak in support 
of an unequivocal ceasefire in the Gaza, uh, in, in the war, and the slaughter against Palestinian women and children and civilians. And a ceasefire, it has been proposed last week at the Board of Supervisors, I think is a very, very sensible thing to follow in the brave footsteps of the Oakland City Council. It is the only way we can preserve human life and, and stop this war is by stopping uh, the funding and political support of a genocide that is happening right now. And that is the way to protect both Israeli hostages and Palestinian civilians alike. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Zach. Mr. President. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Can we go to our 2.30 special order commendation? Yes, uh, 2.30 commendations are for meritorious service to the city and county of San Francisco. Thank you, Madam Clerk. We have a number of special order commendations. Let me start uh, by saluting and thanking our director of the Department of Technology, Linda Jarrell, on the occasion of her well-deserved retirement from the city and county of San Francisco. Come on up, Linda. Uh, If you will indulge me, I will reveal that she is embarking on a new phase of life uh, where she will be closer to her family and become the loving Nana to her new granddaughter, Sophie. Uh, Director Jarrell joined the city's executive team uh, a half a dozen years ago when the late Mayor Ed Lee snatched her from Pierce County, Washington uh, after uh, she had some 22 years of service there, um, and she has done superlatively here. Uh, in my tenure on and off the Board of Supervisors, I've seen a number of people in this position, and none, I believe, has performed better uh, and more collaboratively uh, than Ms. Jarrell. Um, as the Director of the Department of Technology and our Chief Technology Officer, Director Jarrell's role is to advance the department's core mission of transforming technology infrastructure, ensuring compliant and cybersecure environments, and delivering efficient internal government processes. Among many of her chief achievements, Director Jarrell transformed the city's technology infrastructure by orchestrating a five-year modernization plan of the city's network and replacing the city's legacy data center infrastructure. In 2022, she executed the board's legislation to create the Office of Cybersecurity and expanded the city's cyber defenses. And while other major California cities, including our city across the bay in Oakland and San Bernardino and even private institutions like Recology have been the subject of cyber attacks over the past year, San Francisco's, San Francisco's data and communication systems have remained resilient and our personal data remains protected under uh, Linda's leadership. Uh, she's a hands-on technology leader who is passionate about leading the city's emergency preparedness as the backbone of service delivery, uh, strategically pushing tele technological innovation and advocating for closing the digital divide, and most importantly, is loved and respected uh, by her high-quality staff. Director Jarrell helped advance the city's Close the Digital Divide initiative and worked with my office to create a pilot program to provide free public internet access to low-income families and seniors living in Chinatown SROs. To date, there are now some 15,000 affordable housing units connected to the city's municipal fiber infrastructure and over 1,000 SRO units in Chinatown that are benefiting from this pilot program that Linda uh, oversaw personally and was uh, very involved with. 
and we are waiting, awaiting uh, an additional uh, $10 million from the federal government that would allow the city to expand our network to even more residents in Chinatown, the Bayview, and the Tenderloin. After 40 years of public service, including a half a dozen with the city and county of San Francisco, Linda is moving to St. Louis, as I said before, to be closer to her family. This is her last month, and while her departure is a great loss for the city and county of San Francisco, we will continue to benefit from the systems and infrastructures that she has put in place. Thank you for your service, Linda, and best wishes going forward. President Peskin and esteemed supervisors, it is my honor to accept this commendation, and I am grateful for the remarkable opportunity to serve this great city. I would like to thank former Mayor Ed Lee for hiring me as city CIO, and to Mayor London Breed and the Board of Supervisors for your vision, examples of bold action, and tireless work for residents. And also, a heartfelt thank you to City Administrator Carmen Chu who inspires me and the Department of Technology team daily to deliver excellence in government operations and to think deeply about problems. It is our city leadership that has motivated myself and the DT team to take bold action and transform the city's network to a software-defined environment, to think deeply about cybersecurity threats and prepare the city's systems, to serve the community, by building a municipal fiber network to deliver internet access to affordable housing and close the digital divide, and to build excellence in government by replacing legacy systems with modern technology that lowers operational costs. It has been a joy to serve San Francisco and build a strong technology legacy. Thank you to Mike Maxman for serving as my interim as I retire, and thank you for this accommodation and thank you for your leadership and promoting best practices across the city that allows the city to do more with less by using city technology. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Durrell. <laughs> Linda, Linda don't, don't, don't go too far away. Uh, and our city administrator is now tasked with finding your permanent replacement. Thank you for joining us. Uh, City Administrator Chu, any words that you would like to utter? The floor is yours. And then I would like to invite you and Ms. Durrell into the well for a picture with the Board of Supervisors. Thank you very much, President Peskin and Supervisors. It's an honor to be here with you in the chamber to really recognize an amazing public servant, Linda Durrell. I've had the opportunity to work with her before my time as City Administrator in the Assessor's Office, where she worked hand-in-hand -hand with our team to work on our property tax replacement system and was a constant uh, person who provided sage advice for us as we embarked on that journey. But as our city CIO, I really want to commend Linda because she has really focused on what is necessary, the core and basic needs of our city's infrastructure. We know how much and how tied technology is to every single aspect of our work in the city, whether it's for our basic uh, functions in the city or it is for communications during times of emergency and duress. And Linda has really prioritized really strengthening that backbone, something that we sorely needed. 
there's so much that the city does, whether it's different applications, but if our basic infrastructure, the connectivity doesn't work, it all breaks down. And so I really wanna thank Linda for really spearheading a focus in that area, but not only that, really having the foresight to help strengthen an office of cybersecurity, because as we know, that becomes a bigger and bigger issue daily. And I think as she mentioned, so much of the work that she has done to connect some of our lower income communities to the internet and to high speed internet, especially during the time of the pandemic, when connection to online services and information was absolutely critical and a matter of life and death and opportunity is really something that I appreciate. So I really want to thank Linda, and I know that our city's loss is her granddaughter Sophie's gain, and we are so happy for her and thankful for her service. Thank you for the time. Thank you, Madam City Administrator. And I see your crack staff, Jack Chin, and all the rest who are going to miss you sorely. And Linda, if I can invite you and our city administrator into the well and colleagues, if you'll join us as I present a proclamation to Linda. And the moment that many of us have been waiting for, uh, District 4 Supervisor Joel Engardio on, is going to have a special commendation for the Lincoln High Mustangs. All right, thank you, President Peskin. Yes, come on up, come on up. Colleagues, it's a great time to be a football fan in San Francisco. <laughs> This weekend, the 49ers clinched another playoff berth, but more importantly, the future of football you see right here before us, the Lincoln Mustangs. <laughs> they, uh, they prevailed over the great Balboa High School team 35-0 in the 99th Turkey Day game on their way to their fourth section title in five years. So... Enough cannot be said about Mustangs coach Phil Ferrigno. The football program he's cultivated, the culture he's created at Lincoln High School, he's made these kids the winners of today, coaching them to be the upstanding leaders of tomorrow. Go Mustangs! Uh, coach Ferrigno, would you like to say a few words? Sure. Uh, oh, I probably don't need this. Uh, Sure. I mean, oh, okay. So hey, it's awesome to be in here. I mean, really, it's a beautiful building. It's really great coming down here. We've done it a couple times over the last couple years and really, really happy for our young men and women who are with our team and our administration. We all work together. It's a great game for us and it teaches a lot life lessons. And that's what we're hoping to make sure that we all become better and we have a, of service to others. So we're not selfish, we're making sure we put ourselves where we need to be and to help our community. So I really appreciate this and it's, it's, you know, it's all their awards. I'm just the guy who points it in the right direction, right? And hope I'm my best. 
Yes, Ms. Belisi, right here, definitely. <laughs> Good afternoon. Thank you, Board of Supervisors, especially um, Supervisor Guardio. Thank you for this honor and commendation. Um, I hope we make you proud in your district. These young men work hard on and off the field. They have the three Ds, which are what? What's the three Ds? Dedication, discipline, desire. And what's the other two that we learned last week? And accountability. So they will uphold that with the Lincoln values, and thank you very much for this commendation again. Thank you. Congratulations. Our next special order commendation will be from District 5 Supervisor Dean Preston. Sorry, I grew up in the sunset. All right, okay. this is what it is. We get it. Thanks. President Peskin, we are still waiting for our honorees who are coming from a safe passage shift. So if there's anyone else. Absolutely. Or, um, we will go to District thank you Supervisor so much. Mandelman. Thank you, President Peskin. Um, Pau Crago, come on up. Um, and if, if, if Pau's team wants to come up and stand over there, that's Fine. All right. Colleagues, I am honored but a little sad um, to be offering a special commendation to Pau Crago today, our executive director of the city's Office of Transgender Initiatives, but only for a few days more. Um, you see, after seven years with the city and county of San Francisco, Pau is going to be leaving us uh, as of this Friday. For folks who may be unaware, OTI is the first and only trans-led city government office in the country working with communities to advance policies, programs, and equity for transgender, gender nonconforming, and intersex residents. Pau has worked at OTI since its founding in 2017. He was hired as the director of policy by uh, founding director Teresa Sparks, rose to deputy director in 2019, became acting executive director in 2021, and in April 2022, Mayor London Breed appointed Pau to the role permanently. When Pau joined as OTI's third executive director, he had big shoes to fill. He was taking over from OTI's second executive director, Claire Farley, who'd served from 2017 to 2021, and in many ways made OTI the, um, the institution that we know it today. But for Pau, this was an opportunity of a lifetime, and he was eager for the challenge. Pau is a queer, transmasculine immigrant who's worked towards equity for trans, non-binary, and LGBTQ plus communities for more than two decades, 
both in San Francisco and in Spain, where he's originally from. He moved to San Francisco, in his words, to be queer. San Francisco presented Pau an opportunity to live out loud and proud and make a career advancing, uh, advocating for queer people. At OTI, Pau has been instrumental to increasing critical funding for trans and LGBTQ plus communities services, administering the Emerge SF Professional Development Program for trans immigrants, and developing and launching training and policy efforts to increase trans and LGBTQ plus inclusion, including development of the city's gender inclusion policy and City College of San Francisco's gender diversity and inclusion policy. His office has also launched a pioneering plan to offer housing subsidies to trans people, as well as part of the mayor's overall goal of ending trans homelessness within five years. Pau and OTI have also worked to pilot a universal basic income program for 55 low-income transgender San Franciscans that has provided $1,200 a month over an 18-month period to help improve their financial security. Pau is also a part-time faculty member in the Health Education Department at City College of San Francisco and a published author and translator in the fields of trans health, gender diversity, and public health. He holds a Master of Public Health from the University of California at Berkeley. Prior to his time at OTI, uh, Pau worked at Larkin Street Youth Services in programs serving LGBTQ plus youth and youth living with HIV, and later joined El La Para Trans Latinas as the agency's first case manager. At a time when trans folks are under attack in jurisdictions across the country and across the globe, Pau and San Francisco have shown another way. Because of Pau and his work at OTI, our city government is more inclusive, aware, and knowledgeable about trans people and trans issues, and I have every expectation that Powell will continue to be an essential voice in shaping public policy going forward. On behalf of the Board of Supervisors, I want to offer thanks and appreciation to Powell for your great service to San Francisco and our LGBTQ plus community. I want to thank Jupiter, Jupiter Peraza, hi Jupiter, Jupiter Peraza for um, giving me the bad news, but also uh, <laughs> encouraging and helping us uh, put together today's special commendation. And before I invite Pau to say a few words, I think our city administrator, Carmen Chu, would also like to share a few brief remarks. Madam city administrator. Thank you to Supervisor Mendelman for bringing this commendation forward and to the board for hearing this item. And I want to just be here to express my appreciation. I think the supervisor very articulately laid out all of the accomplishments that Pau has been part of as uh, the director of OTI, but even before that as staff. Uh, he is someone who has not only worked to end trans homelessness, but has worked diligently to make sure that all of our city employees have the training that they need to understand uh, all of the challenges and issues in the, in the community, but not only that, to work on basic income and opportunities. I really want to thank him for all of his work, and I will say that aside from the accolades, uh, sometimes you never get an opportunity to work with someone to really know what it's like and what the character of someone is. And having worked with Pau over the last two, almost three years now, I can tell you that he is an absolute joy to work with. Someone who is a consummate professional, someone who is always shouldering the challenges and the heartbreak 
of the community, especially at this time, um, and really continuing to, to move forward and help to, to fight. And I really want to thank him for that. It takes a special person to carry that and to try to move things forward. And he is someone who is a collaborator and someone who builds partnerships across the city. And that's the way you drive change. And so if there is any opportunity to bring Pow back, I hope that we'll be able to do so. He hasn't said no, <laughs> so, so we are looking for opportunities. And I just want to, again, congratulate uh, Powell and thank him for his service. Thank you. Thank you, Madam City Administrator. Hold on, Powell. Not yet. Supervisor Ronan. Thank you. Um, I, I, that's, you're hard to follow, uh, City Administrator Carmen Chu. Uh, but that's been my experience, too, working with you, Pao. Um, not only are you just a gem of a human being, uh, but you're brilliant. And your, your, your ability to see the intersection um, of challenges and oppression and to care for the big picture of how to move uh, individuals and a community forward is unparalleled. Um, I admire you so much. I'm so excited to see what you're doing next because I know it'll be incredible and fabulous. And I just wanted to thank you so much uh, for the work that you've done, that you're doing, that you will do, uh, because it's been extraordinary and I know will continue to be so. Thank you. Not yet, Supervisor Preston. Thank you, President Peskin, and uh, thank you, Supervisor Mandelman, uh, for for all your words uh, honoring Pow. And I, I just really wanted to to add my voice, echo uh, all the praise uh, that's already been uh, directed towards you, and um, just thank you um, for your leadership and vision um, for. Your, all of your work, folks have mentioned a lot of it around uh, basic income and ending trans homelessness um, and other initiatives that you've really taken uh, the lead on. I did want to just mention one particular thing that we worked on closely together um, and why, where I so appreciate, appreciated your leadership and really um, saw uh, how uh, how special your uh, your advocacy is, and that was after the devastating fire at uh, 120 Hyde, when so many folks were were displaced, um, and when, frankly, uh, despite I think good intentions, uh, no fewer than probably six different departments were all uh, scrambling to figure out uh, who was doing what, um, and the reality was that folks uh, who were uh, who were rendered homeless suddenly through a fire, um, were uh, in real need of assistance uh, through uh, TGI-JP. Um, you really um, sort of pulled everyone together and coordinated a lot of different moving parts of this city um, that were not uh, communicating well enough to get things done and that's one thing I've really appreciated about your uh, advocacy is not just your your vision and principles but your commitment to actually seeing through making sure that we see the work through to actually impacting the real needs of uh, folks in our community so thank you so much for for all of your work we will very much miss you um, but it is uh, some reassurance uh, that you have a lot of the folks standing uh, beside you and behind you, amazing leaders, uh, to, to pick up some of the work uh, that you've been leading on. Thank you. 
Thank you, Supervisor Preston. Not yet, pal. Supervisor Safai. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Supervisor Mandelman, for, for honoring Powell today. I just wanted to add my voice to the chorus. As somebody that sat on the Budget Committee for the last three years, I just want to really appreciate and uplift the work that you did on behalf of uh, the trans community and the strong, strong voice that was implemented by bringing a coalition of folks. And it wasn't you speaking, it was you allowing the community to speak on their own behalf and advocate on their own behalf. And most people in your position don't do that. They go around, they have briefings, but instead you brought uh, different communities in to advocate and really advance an agenda. And I think that is a really, really special trait. And I really wanted to acknowledge that and uplift it. Also, I'll just say as for my own personal education, you know, my, my history in this chamber began 23 years ago. And I can remember when a member of this body hid in their office when an issue came up that would help and advance the trans community. And so look how far we've come, and, how, and, and you're a major part of that, and so are all the people standing behind you that have worked with you and that have advocated on behalf of the trans community. So thank you, and thank you for everything you've done. Okay, now the floor is yours. Thank you, supervisors, and um, City Administrator Carmen Chu. It is a huge, huge honor to receive this commendation and this recognition of my work at OTI over the past six years. Um, when I started at OTI in 2017, I could have never dreamed of the accomplishments that our office has been instrumental in achieving. And these historic efforts were only made possible thanks to the community's fierce advocacy the wisdom of our trans advisory committee, the strong commitment of city leaders such as yourselves, and the hard work of city employees across many city departments. Um, it's impossible for me to name every person who has contributed to these wins, but I do want to highlight my brilliant team, which currently includes Cherry Javier, Asri Willandari, and Shane Zaldivar. Shane, in particular, has been with me training city employees through and, and with OTI for the past four years, and there have been many highs and lows during that time. Um, I also want to recognize Victor Ruiz Cornejo from the mayor's office, who does incredible work behind the scenes and has been my main policy thought partner in recent years. And finally, as many of you know, being in a leadership position can come at a high cost, to one's personal life. And so I want to publicly thank three key people who have seen me at my most vulnerable and consistently helped me show up as the best version of myself. That includes my work husband, Rich Whipple, over there, um, my best friend, Jesse Colber, and my partner and the love of my life, Montika Levy, who is also known sometimes as the first lady of OTI. Um, <laughs> And in summary, it's been my intention to show up with integrity, compassion, and courage, and I hope that these values have come through in the legacy I leave behind. And I ask that you keep building on our collective legacy by continuing to work with community to show the world how TGNCI people, history, and culture should be protected, celebrated, and nurtured. Thank you. Thank you, pal. Thank you for your service.
Next, we will go to District 9, Supervisor Hillary Ronan. Thank you so much. Maestra Lidia, are you here? Where are you? Ay, ahí está. <laughs> Come up to the podium. Colleagues, today it is my great honor to recognize Maestra Lidia Candila Chan, Executive Director of Asociación Mayab, um, for being, thank you for being here. Maestra Lidia was born in the town of Homan, Yucatan, Mexico, where she has roots in the indigenous Mayan ancestry and Arab descent. She was raised and grew up in a family of entrepreneurs who helped shape the persistence, creativity, and dedicated spirit she brings to her work. She went on to pursue a degree in teaching and taught in elementary school for several years and then decided to pursue a master's degree in Mexico City. There, she was able to deepen her craft as a teacher by expanding her knowledge in both psychology and child development. She also became a professional folklore dance, folkloric dance. Shortly after completing her master's degree, Maestra Lidia got married to a US national and immigrated to the United States. Once here, she changed her career path to real estate, focusing on expanding her entrepreneurial skills in interior design and real estate investing, which led to a flourishing career. Meanwhile, Asociación Mayab was established in 2004, and Maestra Lidia got involved serving for three years on the board of directors. It was during this time that she saw the importance of establishing a strong network of support for the indigenous Mayan community in the greater Bay Area. She took the helm as executive director of the organization in March 2019, navigating Asociación Mayab through COVID and helping the organization grow in size and impact. Asociación Mayab's mission is to create the conditions that allow for the optimal development of the Yucatec Maya community in the Bay Area. Understanding that many of their members sacrificed so much and suffered so much trauma to get here, often leaving behind their family and sometimes all their belongings in order to reach the American dream, only to find additional hardships and challenges here, which, which are challenges exacerbated by language in which Spanish is the second language for many of the members. Through Maestra Lidia's vision and city and community partnerships, the organization has made a real change for their members. Asociación Mayab now offers a steady program of cultural, educational, and essential community resources, including a weekly food pantry that provides for 250 families, classes and performances of harana, the traditional dance of Yucatan, artisan craft making, Zumba classes, an innovative mind interpretation training program, and the Asociación Mayab uh, Mayan Baseball League that has eight teams and 144 players. These programs help keep the community connected, active, physically healthy, and engaged with one another. Maestra Lidia has visions to expand to a bigger space in the mission to better host the many celebrations and community events for the Yucatec community. In honor of your exemplary leadership on behalf of immigrants, workers, children, family, and especially the Yucatec Mayan community of San Francisco, Maestra Lidia, we commend you for all your vital contributions to preserving culture and community for the Mayan diaspora in the Bay Area. Congratulations. Can you speak directly into that microphone? Just pull it close to you. I am truly 
honored and humbled as the recipient of this award for the standing community service for the indigenous Mayan community in the Bay Area. The award is not just a symbol and acknowledgement for my effort. Rather, it's a reflection of the countless hands and hearts to have come together to address the needs of our community. This is a tribute to all of us to believe in the transforming power of service and to battle at the indigenous community here in the Bay Area. I share this recognition with the incredible people who inspire me that daily. Thank you for this honor, and I thank you to everyone who contributes to our organization, and I hope we continue this partnership. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Supervisor Ronald I'm, I'm, I'm very honored to be here. Madam Clerk, could you, we will return to our recognition of commendations uh, in a few minutes, but why don't we go to our 3 p.m. special order. Would you read items 32 through 35? Yes, items 32 through 35 do constitute the special order at 3 p.m for a hearing of persons interested in the November 1st, 2023 Public Works decision to approve a tentative parcel map for a two-lot subdivision project at 1365 through 1371 York Street at Assessor's Parcel Block Number 4275, Lot Number 028. Item 33 is the motion to approve the tentative parcel map for the uh, project at the York Street address and to make the appropriate findings. Item 34 is the motion to conditionally disapprove the department's decision and disapprove the tentative parcel map, uh, subject to the Board of Supervisors' adoption of written findings in support of the disapproval. And item 35 is the motion to direct the preparation of findings relating to the Board's disapproval of the tentative parcel map. Supervisor Ronan. Um, colleagues, uh, on behalf of the appellant and the landlord, I would ask to continue this item to the January 30th board meeting. Continue these items, 32 through 35. Okay, motion made by Supervisor Ronan. Is there a second for the continuance made by Supervisor Walton? And before we take the roll on that motion, are there any members of the public who would like to speak to the continuance of these items? Seeing none, public comment is, are you coming up to speak to the, no. Are you coming up to speak to the continuance of these items? No, all right. Public comment is closed and we will take the motion, same house, same call. These items are continued, continued to January 30th, 2024. Madam Clerk, would you please read the consent agenda? Yes, <clears throat> items. One, uh, two through nine are on consent and considered to be routine. If a member objects, an item may be removed and considered separately. 
Would any member like an item or item severed? Supervisor Safai? Yes, I'd like item number three severed. Okay. On the balance of the consent agenda, same house, same call. Those ordinances are finally passed. And before we call item three, let's finish our special order 230 commendations. Supervisor Preston. Thank you, uh, President Peskin, um, and thank you, colleagues, for accommodating a slight delay today. We're honoring the uh, uh, safe passage on their 15th anniversary, and we did not want to shortchange all the uh, children and seniors being assisted by the dedicated members of the Safe Passage program who were busy out uh, on the streets of the Tenderloin until they rushed over here and are able to join us. So um, we are proud to recognize and celebrate uh, Safe Passage on its 15th anniversary. Um, and colleagues, I'm sure most of you, uh, if not all of you, have seen the uh, amazing uh, resident and parent volunteers and staff in their teal and orange uh, Tenderloin Community Benefit District vests, uh, helping children and seniors cross the streets uh, and navigate the streets in the Tenderloin or welcoming uh, many of us at various community events uh, across the district. This uh, remarkable community-led program uh, was started in 2008 when a group of parents and community leaders met to discuss public safety issues in the neighborhood. It was clear that the Tenderloin's children needed help safely navigating their way to and from school and to and from after-school activities. The Tenderloin is home to nearly 4,000 children, the most children per capita in our city. It's a diverse working class neighborhood with lots of working families. The program was started to walk with kids as they traverse uh, the busy streets of the neighborhood. The first six years of the program were unfunded completely. It was 100% volunteer run. Uh, residents and parents stepped up and covered safe passage over uh, two blocks in the afternoons. In 2014, the program received some funding uh, from the Tenderloin Health Im Improvement Partnership, a program of St. Francis Foundation. And by 2016, the program had been brought under the oversight of the Tenderloin Community Benefit District, which has provided financial support as well as the infrastructure for it to continue to grow. And grow it has done. The program now covers 15 city blocks every morning and afternoon, serves more than 200 kids daily, uh, I've had the pleasure of joining uh, the crew out in the street and seeing the good work in action, and it is hard to describe how seamless, how compassionate, and how effective this program is, representing in so many ways the best of our city. The program's corner captains first scope out the passageways and let people on sidewalks and walkways know that school would be let out soon and ask that they create a safe passageway for the kids walking after school. The corner captains are trained to be nimble and ready to create new routes in cases of emergencies and to help children avoid any dangerous or traumatic situations on the way to their next destination. Uh, I'd like to thank and recognize all of the folks involved in making this happen, and we will hear uh, from the program's representatives in a minute, but let me just thank TLCBD Executive Director Kate Robinson, the Director of Safe... 
the direct, I'm, I'm going through a long list, so hold those, that applause, please. The director of safe, <laughs> the director of safe programming, Eric Rozelle, uh, safe passage program manager, Tatiana Al Alabsi, safe passage coordinator, Hung Trung, uh, corner captain leads, Richard Maloney and Lewis Murphy, corner captains, Hung Trung, uh, Maria Cortez Arce, uh, Abdul Karim, Abdullah, Rosa Alvarado, Miriam Espajo, uh, Dinesha Coleman, James Holland, Troy uh, Mackey, Margarita Mena, Deborah Millet, uh, Roy Robinson, Don Starr, Elix uh, Thomas, Ricky uh, Vidilago, uh, Lisa Whitney, and volunteer Keith Holzer, and I'm sure I missed some, uh, but thank you to each and every one of you uh, and to past volunteers and donors for making this crucial, important program what it is and for everything that you do every day for the Tenderloin community. So colleagues, in honor of the program's 15-year anniversary, I am thrilled to honor Safe Passage today, and I would like to invite uh, them up to say a few words. Welcome. Thank you, and as I mentioned before, thank you, Preston. Um, there are several corner captains that are still out supporting, so we have more of our team out in the field. Um, dear members of the Board of Supervisors, um, my name is Eric Roselle, and I'm a long-term Tenderloin resident, director of safe programs at Tenderloin Community Benefit District, and co-chair of the Tenderloin Traffic Safety Task Force. First, thank you for your kind and thoughtful words about the Safe Passage Program. We are grateful and humbled to receive this award for our ongoing effort to create a culture of safety in the Tenderloin. We deeply appreciate the recognition given for our 15 years of service to the community and look forward to providing additional support for years to come. Safe Passage is fortunate and proud to be a grassroots program started and guided by local mothers, youth and community members. At our core, we truly believe it is a fundamental right for everyone, particularly for youth, to feel and be safe. This program has truly been a collaborative effort, showcasing the strength of our community when we unite for a common purpose. Therefore, I want to express my heartfelt appreciation to the dedicated team of staff, volunteers, local community partners, and city leaders like yourselves who have worked tirelessly to make the Safe Passage program thrive. Your commitment to the safety and well-being of our community is truly commendable, and we thank you. This program is not just about creating safe pathways, though. It's a demonstration to the spirit of compassion and unity that defines our community. Together, we have proven that when we work together, we can overcome challenges and create positive change, that we can create a thriving culture of safety by working together. Therefore, I want to extend my deepest gratitude to the residents of the Tenderloin who have embraced this program with open hearts, who have been the lifeblood of this program. Your support and active participation have been crucial to the success of this program, and I'm inspired by the sense of community that we continue to foster. As we celebrate today, 
Let us remember that our work is not done. The Safe Passage Program is a living testament to what we can achieve when we collaborate, and it sets the foundation for even greater accomplishments as we go forth. Let us continue to work hand-in-hand, creating a safer, more vibrant Tenderloin community for generations to come. Thank you for your unwavering support, and let's carry the spirit of safety and unity forward as we embark upon the future together. Thank you. Thank you. Madam Clerk, could you please call item number three? Item three, this is an ordinance to deappropriate $39.5 million from permanent salaries and dependent coverage fringe benefits and appropriate $39.5 million uh, to overtime in the Department of Public Health in order to support the department's projected increases in overtime as required. Supervisor Safai. Thank you, Mr. President and colleagues. I just wanted to sever this item for a particular point. Um, this is a very significant move, but it also underscores much of what's been discussed in the Budget Committee, much of what's been discussed in this chamber over the last number of months. This money, this $39.5 million, was designated to hire nurses, nurses' assistants, and medical technicians, mainly in Laguna Honda and SF General. These were funded positions intended to take the strain off of our system. So when we're talking about underfunded public safety net, and there's been a lot of discussion in this chamber about um, understaffed police department, well, guess what? This mayor has mismanaged one of the other crucial elements of public safety in this city, and that has to do with emergency services within our hospitals. If you get hit over the head right now, God forbid, and you have to go to SF General, you're probably going to wait a while to see a nurse. And if you do see a nurse, you're going to see a nurse that's being forced not to take breaks and not allowed, in many cases, forced to work additional time. Our entire public safety system is under stress. This underscores that. We're literally deappropriating $40 million that was intended for almost 350 positions, the equivalent, but instead we're moving that into overtime. This is something that's been on the horizon for years. This is something that's been building. It's been something that Supervisor Ronan's been talking about as it pertains to mental health SF. And here we are, even before the budget process begins, in December, deappropriating $40 million that's intended to staff up one of the most important pieces of our public safety net. So I'm going to vote for this today, feel like my hands are tied, but at the end of the day, 
this really, really shows how mismanaged this mayor has led one of the most important aspects of public safety in our city. All right, we have a different house. Roll call, please. On item three, Supervisor Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Supervisor Melgar. Melgar, aye. Supervisor Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Supervisor Preston. Preston, absent. Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, aye. Supervisor Safai. Safai, aye. Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie, aye. Supervisor Walton. Walton, aye. Supervisor Chan. Chan, aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. And Supervisor Engardio. Engardio, aye. There are 10 ayes. The ordinance is finally passed. Next item, please. Item 10. This is an ordinance to amend the police code uh, to amend fees, applications, and conditions for certain entertainment permits. Seeing no names on the roster, we will take this item, same house, same call. The ordinance is finally passed. Next item, please. Item 11. This is an ordinance to amend the fire code to provide fire protection standards for the charging and storage of lithium iron batteries used in powered mobility devices to prohibit use of such devices if damaged and to prohibit use of cells removed from the used lithium ion batteries in such devices and to require the fire department to conduct an informational campaign to affirm the CEQA determination and to make the appropriate findings. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Colleagues, I introduced this legislation some time ago as the number of battery-caused fires in San Francisco went from 12 in 2018 to 24 in 2019 to 35 in 2020 to uh, 58 in, uh, actually 58 in 2022, so it's been rising year over year. I can ask for a one-week continuance last week because after it was heard in committee, uh, Lime, which is the purveyor of electric scooters, uh, asked for some amendments, which uh, I would like to make today. Uh, and then in the interim, a couple of electrical bicycle purveyors have reached out. So what I would like to do today is to amend in the Lime amendments and send it back to committee where we can get it right with the purveyors of electric bicycles. Uh, and I want to thank Fire Marshal Ken Coughlin for uh, his partnership and work, as well as Deputy City Attorney Jim Huber. The amendments colleagues are before you. They are not substantive, um, but just I'd like to send it back with those in there so everybody can see what they are. So is there a motion to adopt the amendments made by Supervisor Preston, second by Supervisor Melgar? We will take the amendments without objection. And then is there a motion to re-refer the item as amended to the Land Use Committee for hearing in January made by Supervisor Preston, second by Supervisor Safai? And we will take that without objection. The item is re-referred. Madam Clerk, can you please read item 12? Item 12, this is an ordinance to amend the planning code, the subdivision code, and the zoning map to encourage housing production. Roll call. On item 12. Oh, wait, Supervisor Safai. I'd just like to be added as a co-sponsor. Okay. Thank you. Noted. On item 12, Supervisor Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Supervisor Melgar. Melgar, aye. Supervisor Peskin. No. Peskin, no. Supervisor Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, aye. Supervisor Safai. Safai, aye. Supervisor Stephanie. 
Stephanie I, Supervisor Walton. Walton I, Supervisor Chan. Chan no, Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey I, and Supervisor Ringardio. Ringardio I, there are nine ayes and two noes with Supervisors Peskin and Chan voting no. The ordinance is finally passed. Next item, please. Item 13. Item 13 is an ordinance to retroactively authorize the police department to accept and expend an approximate $15.3 million grant from the Board of State and Community Corrections Organized Retail Theft Grant Program to fund personnel training equipment and other activities in furtherance of combating organized retail theft and motor vehicle accessory such as catalytic converter theft in San Francisco for a term through June 1st, 2027 to approve the associated grant agreement and to amend the annual salary ordinance for fiscal years 2023-24 and 2024-25 to provide for the creation of two grant-funded class 1823 full-time senior analyst positions. Roll call. On item oh, third. Supervisor Safaidi. Sorry. Um, thank you, uh, Mr. President. I just wanted to highlight real quick that this uh, grant today is three years of hard work. Uh, we set up the Organized Retail Crime uh, Working Group. Uh, myself and uh, Chief Scott co-chaired that together over the last three years. We've worked with the District Attorney, California Retailers Association, NAACP, United Food and Commercial Workers, and a whole host of other stakeholders throughout San Francisco. Um, this is beginning to see how we're going to turn the tide, and it's already happening on the streets. There's a whole host of folks that are focused on illegal vending. There's a whole host of folks focused on that's, that's happening in our stores. And we talked earlier about uh, the license plate readers and, and assigned staff in the district attorney's office. So just want to thank everyone that was involved in that collaboration um, and also our governor, uh, Governor Newsom, for putting this money aside, uh, listening to localities and understanding the importance of adding additional resources to combat this, which has plagued our city over the last three years. Thank you. Thank you. Roll call. On item 13, Supervisor Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Supervisor Melgar. Melgar, aye. Supervisor Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Supervisor Preston. Preston, aye. Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, aye. Supervisor Safayi. Safayi, aye. Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie, aye. Supervisor Walton. Walton, aye. Supervisor Chan. Chan, aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. And Supervisor Ringardio. In Guardio, aye. There are 11 ayes. The ordinance is passed on first reading. Next item, please. Item 14, this is a resolution to retroactively authorize the Department of Public Works to accept and expend a $250,000 grant from the San Francisco Bay Area Rapid Transit District for the Pit Stop Public Toilet Program starting July 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2022. Same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Madam Clerk, can you read items 15 and 16 together, please? Items 15 and 16 authorize two amendments to the Group Purchasing Organization Pharmaceutical Agreement with the Department of Public Health. Item 15 is between McKesson Corporation and to increase that agreement a sum for a not to exceed amount of approximately 978 million and to extend the term by four years and five months. And for item 16, this is with McKesson Plasma and Biologics LLC to increase the agreement amount uh, for a, not, a new not to exceed amount of 1.5 billion to extend the term by four years and five months and for both items 15 and 16 to register new terms of February 1st, 2020 through June 30th, 2028. 
Seeing no names on the roster, same house, same call. The resolutions are adopted. Madam Clerk, could you please read items 17 through 21 together? Item 17 through 21 authorize five contract amendments between the Department of Public Health and the following agencies for the following varium, uh, varying amounts and terms. For item 17, this approves the second amendment to the agreement with a better way for mental health outpatient and optional specialized mental health treatment services to increase the agreement for a new total amount of 13.5 million, a three years and six month term extension now through June 30th, 2027. Item 18 approves the First Amendment with the Regents of the University of California to provide outpatient ambulatory HIV health services to provide an increase to the agreement for a new amount of approximately $26.5 million uh, to include a five-year and eight-month term extension now through February 28th, 2030. Item 19 approves the First Amendment to the agreement with the Richmond Area Multi-Services, Inc., to provide vocational rehabilitation employment and training programs to increase the agreement amount for a new approximate amount of 16 million and to extend the term by one year, now through December 31st, 2024. For item 20, this approves the second amendment to the agreement between the Latino Commission for Substance Use Disorder Treatment Services to increase the agreement for a new total amount of approximately 17.6 million and to extend the term by three years and six months for a, a new agreement now through June 30th, 2027. And for item 21, this approves the First Amendment to the agreement with the Chinese Hospital Association to provide subacute skilled nursing and skilled nursing facility beds for hospital overflow or for emergency needs to increase the agreement amount for a new amount of 21 million and to extend the term by one year for a new term through November 30th, 2024. Seeing no names on the roster, we will take this same house, same call. The resolutions are adopted. Madam Clerk, could you please read items 22 through 27 together? Items 22 through 27 authorize six retroactive grants between the Department of Public Health and the following agencies. Item 22 is retroactive authorization to submit an application to continue to receive funding for the Ryan White Act HIV AIDS Re Emergency Relief Program uh, from the Health Resources Services Administration for approximately 16 million in HIV emergency relief funding uh, through February 28, 2025. Item 23 authorizes and accept and expend in uh, an approximate amount of 2.2 million from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention for Overdose Prevention Program funding through August 31st, 2024. Item 24 authorizes and accept and expend grant in an approximate $1 million grant from the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute through the University of California at San Francisco for pure tone audiometry versus autoacoustic emissions for preschool hearing screening through June 30th, 2028. Item 25 authorizes and accept and expend uh, for a $2 million grant from the Department of Health and Human Services to build citywide capacity for community and transitional first responders in overdose response uh, for the term through December 29th, 2027. Item 26 authorizes and accept and expend for approximately 180,000 uh, from the San Francisco General Hospital Foundation for Behavioral Emergency Response Team, HIV and the Women's Optics Clinic 
through June 30th, 2024. And for item 27, this authorizes and accept and expend for 272,000. It's a grant from the California Department of Public Health for the California Home Visiting Program for the term through September 30th, 2024. Same house, same call. The resolutions are adopted. Next item, please. Item 28, this resolution authorizes the Human Services Agency on behalf of the city to apply for and accept the county's allocation award under the California Department of Housing and Community Development Transitional Housing Program for approximately $2 million and Housing Navigation and Maintenance Program for approximately 291,000 to provide funding to help young adults secure and maintain housing. Same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Next item, please. Item 29, this resolution transmits to the California Coastal Commission for review and certification an amendment to the implementation program portion of the certified local coastal program for the creation of the Wawona Street and 45th Avenue Cultural Center Special Use District on the parcel located at, uh, at 2700 45th Avenue and to affirm the secret determination. Same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Madam Clerk, could you read items 30 and 31 together? Items 30 and 31 approve board nominations to the Assessment Appeals Board one and two respectively, item 30, appoint Stephen Wasserman and Richard Lee to the Assessment Appeals Board number one, term ending September 7th, 2026. And for item 31, this motion appoints Elizabeth Miller to the Assessment Appeals Board number two, term expiring September 1st, 2025. Same house, same call, the motions are approved. Madam Clerk, let's go to committee reports and can you read items 36 and 37 together? Items 36 uh, through 39 were considered by the Government Audit and Oversight Committee at a regular meeting on Thursday, uh, December 7th, and were forwarded as committee reports. Items 36 and 37 are two resolutions that approve two historical property contracts with the city. For item 36, this is with Michael Foley and Xiao Mai Lin. As trustees of the Foley Lin Family Trust, dated June 30th, 2023, the owners of 2209 Webster Street. And for item 37, this approves a historical property contract with 140 Partners LP and Marlin Cove, Inc., both California corporations, the owners of 988 Market Street. And to authorize the planning director and the assessor recorder to execute and record the historical property contract uh, for both items 36 and 37. Same house, same call. The resolutions are adopted. Next item, please. Item 38 authorizes the approve the contract with authorizes and approves a contract with Heluna Health to provide comprehensive outreach and case management through the San Francisco Homeless Outreach Team to approve the term January 1st, 2024 through June 30th, 2027, and a new total amount of approximately 36.8 million. Same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Next item. Item 39 authorizes the Director of Property to execute a lease agreement with Lawrence B. Stone Properties, hashtag 08 LLC, for property located at 2177 Gerald Avenue as a temporary shelter program for a 15-year term with two five-year options to extend and an annual base rent of approximately 2.46 million 
with 3% annual increases beginning in 2024, and to authorize the city's contribution of up to approximately $5.86 million towards the cost of tenant improvements and to affirm the CEQA determination and to make the appropriate findings. Same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Next item, please. Items 40 through 45 were considered by the Land Use Committee at a uh, regular meeting on Monday, December 11th. Item 40 was recommended as amended with the same title. Item 40 is an ordinance to amend the planning code to prohibit parcel delivery services activities at fleet charging locations and to affirm the planning department's determination, the CEQA determination, and to make the appropriate findings. Seeing no names on the roster, this ordinance is passed on first reading, same house, same call. Next item, please. Item 41 was recommended as amended with a new title. It now reads, item 41 is an ordinance to amend the planning code to provide for the relocation or removal of existing artwork at 100% affordable housing projects, subject to certain conditions to affirm the Planning Commission's determination under the California Environmental Quality Act and to make findings, including findings of consistency with the general plan and the eight priority policies of the planning code section 101.1. Same house, same call. The ordinance is passed on first reading. Next item. Item 42 was recommended as amended with a new title. It now reads, Ordinance amending the planning code to exempt from the limitations on conversion of certain production distribution and repair institutional community and arts activities uses in the eastern neighborhoods plans areas, Mission Eastern Soma, Western Soma, and Central Soma changes of use from one of those uses to another of those uses or to institutional uses in buildings under 25,000 ground floor square feet to affirm the CEQA determination and to make the appropriate findings. And Mr. President, pursuant to Proposition X from November 2016, this ordinance requires a two-thirds vote or eight votes of the full membership of the board uh, to be passed on first reading. Seeing no names on the roster, same house, same call. The ordinance is passed on first reading. Madam Clerk, would you read items 43 and 44 together? Item 43 was recommended with the same title. It is an ordinance to amend the planning code to designate Chata Gutierrez's mural located at 3175 24th Street as a landmark. Item 44 was recommended with the same title. It's an ordinance that amends the planning code to designate the Carnival mural located at 1311 through 1315 South Van Ness Avenue as a landmark. Both are consistent with the standards set forth in Article 10 of the planning code. Same house, same call. The ordinances are passed on first reading. Next item, please. Item 45 was not sent to the board. It was continued in committee. Next item, please. Items 46 and 47 were considered by the Rules Committee at a regular meeting on Monday, December 11th. Item 46 was recommended as a committee report. It's an ordinance to amend the administrative code to revise the reporting duties of the Reentry Council and to extend the sunset date by five years to June 1st, 2029. Same house, same call. The ordinance is passed on first reading. 
and item 47 was not sent. Let's go to roll call for introductions. First board member to introduce new business is Supervisor Mandelman. Thank you, Madam Clerk. I have two in memoria today. One, the first is for John Baer, uh, a Castro resident, philanthropist, fierce advocate for LGBTQ plus people, and loving husband to Ignatius Bow, his partner of 33 years. John served as the board co-chair of Horizons Foundation, the world's first community foundation of, by, and for LGBTQ people to advance efforts to support LGBTQ nonprofits and build a permanent endowment for queer people for generations to come. He was a stalwart supporter of the National Center for Lesbian Rights. He worked with his husband, Ignatius, a philanthropist in his own right, along with his fellow donors, Al Baum and Robert Holgate, to start a fund at NCLR called the Edie Windsor Fund for Women's Voices, named after the late Edie Windsor, a plaintiff in the Supreme Court case that won federal recognition of same-sex marriages. We extend our condolences to Ignatius, as well as John's other family and many, many friends. Rest in peace and power, John Baer. May your memory be a blessing. Secondly, I'm requesting that we adjourn today's meeting in memory of Dr. Jerome Gold Goldstein, who died on November 15th at the age of 82. Jerry was a gay activist who, along with his late husband, Tom Taylor, generously supported innumerable LGBTQ nonprofits, including the Gay Men's Chorus, the Lesbian and Gay Freedom Band, the Human Rights Campaign, Frameline, the Golden Gate Business Association, and the LGBT Historical Society, to name just a few. Close friends of Gilbert Baker's, they lovingly tended to his legacy, establishing a foundation to maintain the rainbow flag installation at Harvey Milk Plaza and paying for the rainbow flags that line Market Street for Pride Month each June. And then there was their beautiful home on 21st Street between Church and Sanchez, which they decked out every de December with the most extravagant and over-the-top holiday decora decorations to the delight of children and adults alike. Jerry was born in 1941 in Niagara Falls, New York. He moved to San Francisco in 1969 to practice neurology and eventually became the chief of neurology at St. Francis Hospital. His area of focus was neurological complications that arise in connection with HIV and AIDS. Tom and Jerry were a quirky, wonderful duo, absolutely irreplaceable, and I feel lucky to have known them. Rest in peace and power, Jerry Goldstein. May your memory be, be, a, be a blessing and the rest I submit. Thank you, Supervisor Mandelman. Supervisor Melgar. Submit, thank you. Supervisor Peskin? Submit. Submit, thank you. Supervisor Preston? Thank you, Madam Clerk. Colleagues, today I'm calling for a hearing on artificial intelligence in elections. With the growth of artificial intelligence and uh, growing concerns about its role in elections, I believe now is the time to ask whether San Francisco law adequately prevents against false and misleading AI-generated election material, whether the city needs to adopt new policies to address AI's role in San Francisco elections, and whether enforcement mechanisms are sufficient to ensure that AI is not used to spread misinformation regarding elections in our city. We must do everything possible to ensure the integrity, transparency, and security of our elections. Uh, we are already seeing how artificial intelligence is being used to generate images and videos in political ads nationally and in other cities, uh, creating new avenues for misleading uh, content. Without adequate guardrails, AI technology is making it increasingly difficult for the public to accurately identify fraudulent video and audio materials. So I believe we need a plan to prevent the use of fraudulent AI-generated content in campaign ads to the greatest extent allowable under law. Uh, our hearing will come on the heels of uh, some notable misuses of AI technology to generate false 
and misleading content. This includes robocalls with AI-generated content purporting to be uh, the mayor of New York City, uh, AI-generated fake audio and video purporting to be a candidate for mayor in the recent election in Chicago, um, videos that were uh, later deleted but not before being widely shared, um, and the use of deep fake videos of President Joe Biden, uh, calling uh, one that, that shows him calling for a uh, military draft in the United States, something that he has not, in fact, uh, called for. Uh, political ads around the country uh, have already been released this year. Uh, some I've just referenced. Uh, there are many others using AI-generated images and text-to-voice converters to depict candidates negatively and sow disinformation in elections. And it is uh, quite reasonable to suspect the same to happen in San Francisco. Uh, the public clearly shares the concerns uh, about this use of technology. An AP poll uh, recently found nearly six in 10 uh, adults in the United States are worried about uh, AI tools increasing the spread of false and misinforma uh, misleading information in 2024 elections, uh, and they are right uh, to have that concern. Federal and state governments have begun to respond. Federal legislation has been introduced in both the House and the Senate. H.R. Uh, 3044 by Representative Yvette Clark, in, uh, introduced in May, would amend the Federal Election Campaign Act of 1971 to require AI-generated advertisements to include a disclosure that AI was used to generate uh, images or, or video footage in the ad. In September, we saw uh, legislation in, introduced in the Senate by Senator uh, Klobuchar uh, introducing the uh, Protect Elections from Deceptive AI Act uh, to prohibit the distribution of materially deceptive AI-generated audio, images, or video related to federal candidates in political ads or certain issue ads to influence um, a federal election or to fundraise. Um, similarly, at the state level, we've seen states uh, starting to address the issue in October. Michigan passed a bill that would require a disclaimer on political advertisements if they were using AI-generated content and would ban AI deepfakes in communications surrounding elections absent a clear disclosure. So I believe our hearing will help bring more transparency on this issue and identify any necessary reforms, uh, particularly at the local level, and I'm looking forward to working with advocates, uh, policy experts, the Department of Elections, the Ethics Department, uh, and all of you to explore policies, procedures, and technological safeguards that can regulate AI in our local elections and guard against false and misleading content. The rest I submit. Thank you, Supervisor Preston. Supervisor Ronan. Thank you, colleagues. Today I'm introducing a resolution approving the Real Estate Division uh, retroactive, uh, approving the Real Estate Division to retroactively enter into an agreement with the current state of California vendor to administrate, administer the Alamany Farmers Market EBT Food Assistance Program system. Under Chapter 9A, Alamany's Farmers Market must accept EBT food assistance programs. The real estate department runs this program and does so via an EBT machine where participants can scan their cards to receive tokens in the amount scanned to be used at the farmer's market by certified farmers. The farmers bring the tokens into the real estate office um, at the Alamany Farmer's Market to be reimbursed for the tokens they have received in lieu of cash payment. The city receives reimbursement from the state of California 
via electronic payment. Without realizing it was necessary to do so, the Real Estate Department was required to obtain board approval to enter into an agreement with current State of California vendor Fidelity National Information Service when the state changed vendors for its electronic benefits transfer card program. Realizing this now, this resolution looks for retroactive approval to be in compliance with both state and city law. Uh, my office worked uh, many years ago to, to make the use of these cards um, possible at the Al Alamanese Farmers Market, and so we want to make sure we're up to date with uh, all of these rules. And um, I thank you in advance for your support. The rest I will submit. Thank you, Supervisor Ronan. Supervisor Safai. Submit. Submit. Thank you. Supervisor Stephanie. Submit. Thank you. Supervisor Walton. Thank you so much, Madam Clerk. Colleagues, today I have an in memoriam, and then I'll just give brief updates on outside committees. Colleagues, it breaks my heart to give this in memoriam for our friend, activist, education advocate, labor leader, and community mentor, Mr. Ronald Colthurst. Ronald was born on March 16th, 1960, and passed away last week at the age of 63. He was a fierce advocate in San Francisco for social justice and particularly in the Visitation Valley community where he was the facilities manager for the village at 1099 Sunnydale Avenue. Ronald was known for being a walking encyclopedia. He could tell you which college every president attended and what subject they studied. He always encouraged young people and instilled the importance of a college education at an early age. He would help young people any way he could so that they would succeed. He would attend every community meeting and organized even more meetings where the community could stay updated on what was happening. He advocated for Visitation Valley for many years and most recently meticulously planned the 20th anniversary roundtable at the village where he once again brought the community together to speak about their experiences. Ronald always knew how to bring people together through his ability to recognize and highlight the strengths and talents of others. He was unwavering in his dedication to Viz Valley, as well as his exceptional kindness and generosity towards others. He built bridges between communities. When Grandma Yik Oi Wong passed away, he spearheaded the efforts to rename the Visitation Valley Playground in memory of Grandma Wong and to promote peace in Visitation Valley. He paid great attention to small details when getting to know someone giving suggestions whenever problems would arise, and just being genuinely caring and a compassionate man. Ronald was an avid reader and often shopped at the bookshop on West Portal, where he purchased books to give to others. He would write a very personal message and give inspiration and encouragement for the journey that you were about to embark on. And I know this personally. As a labor leader, he was a member of SEIU and volunteered with Jobs with Justice. He also recruited many students to take the Labor and Community Studies class at City College of San Francisco because he believed in the power of grassroots organizing. Annually, he organized the Howard Zinn Book Fair to celebrate the people's history. This year, he co-founded the Harriet Tubman Democratic Club to create opportunities for black community to engage with the democratic process. Ronald was truly one of a kind. He navigated complex realms like being a jazz musician, but led like a Brazilian 
Copoeira dancer and had a big heart and loved his community. The entire community is sending Ronald Colthurst and his family so much love and gratitude for his tremendous impact in all of our lives. He is survived by his beloved lifetime partner, Mildred, his son, Nathaniel, brother, Dwayne, sisters, Jennifer, Hermione, and Bria, and nieces and nephews. Ronald will be greatly missed by all. And I'm kindly requesting this in memorial come from on behalf of the entire board of supervisors. Without objection. And just real briefly, I want to update on Barry Air Quality Management District. Our last meeting on December 6th, we up, updated some board policies and procedures. And some of the items that were addressed were when we meet moving forward into the next year, updates on remote participation, and more details will be finalized to complete the changes. The nominating committee nominated a new chair and vice chair. And the new chair going into next year is Mayor Davina Hurt, City of Belmont, and the new vice chair is Supervisor Linda Hopkins of Sonoma County. Caltrain, briefly as of now, electrification is on time. We did have a healthy discussion at our December 7th meeting around proposed ballot measures for transit in the next few years. And it included a discussion about the consolidation of transit systems and conversations that have been recommended by other bodies like MTC. The Caltrain Board decided to send a letter to MTC focusing on ensuring that Caltrain is at the table around any conversations of mergers that include Caltrain. The rest I submit. Thank you, Supervisor Walton. Supervisor Chan. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, colleagues, today I'm introducing an e-memoriam for um, community historian Arno Marcus Woods, who passed away unexpectedly on December 1st, 2023. Um, and uh, Supervisor Ingardio uh, is joining me in that e-memoriam. Um, Arno was a Richmond District resident since 1996. In 1999, Arno was one of the founders of the Western Neighborhoods Project, a nonprofit organization dedicated to preserving and sharing the history of Western San Francisco, and who until November of this year served as the president of the board of directors at WMP, Western Neighborhoods Project. Arno was integral to many projects, uh, strengthening the city through the experience of shared history, including the popular Outside Lands, San Francisco podcast, San Francisco History Days at the Old Mint, and the Museum at the Cliff, a public program interpreting historical items. Uh, and that was saved from the Cliff House restaurants when it closed in 2020. A member in good standing of the State Bar of California, Arnold bought his legal argument to many historical articles, including an analysis of the Outside Lands Act of 1866, an act of Congress which added the land occupied by today's Richmond and Sunset District to the city of San Francisco. Friendly, kind, and ever-dependable, Arnold stood behind tables at fairs and festivals for more than 25 years, chatting with thousands of people as an ambassador for San Francisco's history and its west side neighborhoods. The loss of his leadership, dedication, 
and wide-ranging knowledge on those cities' past is a great loss to San Francisco. In addition to being a friendly face of WMP, Arnold was often a voice of Western Neighborhoods Project. As a regular guest podcaster who shared his charisma and love for Westside history, everything from episodes with research about presidential visits to the outside lands to newish outside uh, and to newish Westside landmarks to the Winsapco Cliff House camera and more. So just with that, um, what it's clear to us is that Arnold's devotion to capturing and celebrating the stories and history that make our community special. My heart goes out to Arnold's friends his Western Neighborhoods Project community and his friends in, and his family in Colorado. Um, after all, it's really an unexpected uh, passing of Arnold Woods and, um, and it's gonna be a great loss for all of us, especially in this critical time as the city going through this um, recovering from pandemic and feeling the influx of our population and that how can we continue to preserve our history to be able to not to repeat many mistakes in our future. For those of us, um, we're gonna really miss Mr. Woods. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Chan. Supervisor Dorsey. Submit, thank you. And Supervisor Ingardio. Submit, thank you. Mr. President, seeing no names on the roster, that concludes the introduction of new business. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Let's go to public comment. All right, for those of you who are here in the chamber, please line up on your right-hand side. Uh, we are taking general public comment now. You may speak to the November 7 minutes, the mayor's appearance here in the chamber. Uh, items 50 through 52, those items that, were, that are on the Fokker. Uh, and general matters that are not on today's agenda, but are within the board's subject matter jurisdiction. Let's hear from our first speaker. Welcome. We like each other. I know that finally with the full board this year, okay, I hope you finish the year. Right. I'm just going to follow up uh, on what I said on uh, November the 28th because last week was not possible. Linked to technology when I said technology, uh, enemy public number one almost. Yes, resolution. Warning here it's for everybody. The, I said that before. The use of any multi-app cell phone as a hazardous, I mean, as an addictive effect hazardous for social behavior and health. That is for the future of humanity. It should be a resolution, you understand. And you pass that. It is very important. So all this, basically, yes, AI, no AI, please, no AI. This is for unintelligence only. We live on the same planet, guys. The sky said there is only one. So what do you want? Want to be happy or not? Because you are working for being, ending up unhappy, guys. We need to fight this technology. This is not the only thing to fight against, but at least be totally aware and pass the words. Thank you for your attention, even though you keep looking down. 
Thank you, Terrifil, for your comments. Next speaker, please. I have a handout. Great, we'll come and collect that from you. Good afternoon, Board of Supervisors. Uh, my name is Chris Ward-Klein. Uh, most of you know who I am. Today, I wanted to talk about situational awareness surveillance. It's AI, and it's very important. Um, a couple weeks ago, I sent you a United Nations Human Rights Report, which I submitted. Before I submitted that, I submitted it to CDC, Health and Human Services, um, Department of Defense. And on it, um, I had multiple diagnoses here in San Francisco. I was concerned. So I reached out to the CDC and requested my freedom of information. And they just got back to me on December 4th. And I have nothing wrong with me. That should be very concerning here in San Francisco, especially for minorities and gay and lesbian people. Um, it's very concerning because they, they, they were false diagnosis. And it's a larger problem than just one person. It's hundreds and maybe thousands of people here in San Francisco. How could that possibly happen? Someone altered or got into the situational awareness software, surveillance software, and only a few people have access to that. Earlier, there was a proposal for a hearing on AI for elections. If you're planning on running for an election, if that situational awareness surveillance is altered or they have access to it, you will not win. That is how good it is, and you would never know it. The mayor is unfortunately using situational awareness surveillance every day on everybody in this off in this building including me thank you have a good day everyone thank you for your comments let's hear from our next speaker please now, jesus said the powers from heaven would be shaken the higher powers from heaven would be shaken before he returns that the sun would be darkened the moon would be blood the stars would fall if you shot me and I bled out, I would be weaker and weaker, and then I would be dead. And so what God is talking about here is the overthrow of government and the complete domination of communism. That's what he's talking about. Scriptures now, none that of that is within the board's subject matter jurisdiction. Scriptures that would buttress this argument are found in Proverbs 16. A divine sentence is in the lips of the king. His mouth transgresses not in judgment. It's an abomination to kings to commit wickedness, for the throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they love him that speaketh right. A king that sits in the throne of judgment scatters away all evil with his eyes. A wise king scatters the wicked and brings the wheel over them. And so communism is the cessation of morality in government. Think about what we did. We gave a ticker tape parade to this lowlife communist who rose to power in the Communist Party by spitting on his own father. God wrote on the Ten Commandments with his own finger, honor your father and mother. And I drove all the way from San Jose to preach to that butcher let me at him, where's he at? And the cops didn't know where he was at, and they, I couldn't talk to him. But I wanted to give Xi Jinping a few words of truth and reality because God says this, okay? And communism is wicked, and yet, as sad as it is, Jesus predicted that this would happen before he comes back. I challenge anyone to uh, disagree with my interpretation. 
If you go to Romans 13, if you go to Isaiah 13, Ezekiel 32, Joel 2 and 3, when it talks about the darkening of the sun, that sackcloth, the sun being as black as sackcloth of hair, this is the morality of government ceasing to be to a very large degree. Is this not what we are seeing? It is. Jesus is coming back. It's the blessed hope to the Christian. It's the judgment day to the non-Christian. And it might be today. If Jesus comes back right now, and I hope he does. I really hope he does. It's going to be judgment day. Thank you, Mark, for your comments. Next speaker, please. Hi, my name is Nami Murthy. I am a San Francisco resident living in District 6, and I urge the board to not wait until January to pass the ceasefire resolution. Um, time is not something that Gaze has. As you've waited in the past week, people are being murdered. At least 3,000 people have been killed since last week, most of whom are children. As you wait, people's homes are being bombed. 90% of the population in Gaza have now been displaced. As you wait, people are being denied access to critical health care. This week, Kamala Adwan Hospital was surrounded by tanks and their water system targeted while they are housing 3,000 displaced Palestinians. And another one of their hospitals have been under total siege since December 5th. As you wait, Israel is trying to destroy the stories of Palestine and this week wiped out the central archives of Gaza City where thousands of historical documents live. As you wait, journalists are being killed. 86 journalists have been murdered in the past eight weeks. As you wait, families are being torn apart. 25,000 Palestinian children have become orphans since October. As you wait, the people in Gaza are being denied food and clean water. 36% of Gaza households are now experiencing extreme hunger. As you wait, you're being complicit. We won't stop until Palestine is free. Today, Revolutionaries for Palestine occupied Senator Padilla's office. We blocked the Bay Bridge. We occupied the Oakland Federal Building. We've shown up in tens of thousands to march in the streets for a free Palestine. And your constituents are speaking, and it's your duty to listen to them. You must pass a resolution for a permanent ceasefire and support the end of the occupation now, not in January. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please. Welcome. Good afternoon, I am Peter. I am a resident of District 5 in the Tenderloin, and I rise as a somber, uh, somber reminder that a week ago this chamber heard over 2,000 community members share their grief, their pain, and their passion. And in that last week, over 3,000 Palestinians have been murdered. 90% of the population has been displaced. Evicted from their homes, a nation of refugees made refugees once more. The ongoing genocide in Gaza is unconscionable, it's disproportionate, and has become murderous towards the over two million people who call 141 square miles home. When your home is that small, your population is that dense, and the attackers are bombing indiscriminately, there is no safety, there is no stability, there is only tragedy, destruction, and death. To bomb a people into extinction makes no one safer. It protects nobody. All it does is reinforce the instability in the region, and Israel's ongoing violence is only a guarantee of more conflict and violence to be had. In its best moments, San Francisco has been a gateway. It has been a gateway for progress, and it must be that gateway once more. 
as urgently and unanimously as possible, not next month, but now, our city must demand an end to the genocide. We must make a ceasefire the norm in this body politic and the warmongerers the fringe. One safety cannot be achieved through the murder of others. That's called oppression. Let this city stand for liberation, and in our lifetime, let us see a free Palestine. Thank you. Thank you for your comments, Peter. Next speaker, please. Welcome. Hi there. My name is Shelby, and I live in District 6. I just wanted to share briefly that I am also in favor of the ceasefire resolution. I think we should vote on this now. And if we wait until your holiday is over, your nice, comfy, paid holiday, it's shameful. While thousands are being killed with U.S. money, bombs made in the U.S., San Francisco sends millions of dollars to Israel. This is a San Francisco issue, not just a human issue. This is everybody's issue. And while you take your comfy paid holiday, thousands are going to be killed, as they have been killed, tens of thousands. And you're also killing my future and this planet to live on this planet. Everyone should be voting right now. Cease fire now. Thank you for your comment, Shelby. Next speaker, please. Welcome. Hello, my name is Leah McGeever. I live in D6. Um, I was at an action at Senator Padilla's office earlier this morning calling for a ceasefire. Unfortunately, he's ignoring his constituents, um, not answering the phone, not uh, having an empty voicemail box, uh, not allowing for any meetings to be set up with uh, us as constituents. Uh, during this time, this morning, a poor, maybe homeless elder white man with clothing turning ragged was handing out free Palestine pins and stickers for free. I tried to give him a $20 bill thinking he could replenish his, his supply or use it himself, but he refused. He was crying, asking to give it to the Palestinian children instead. This man couldn't stomach making any profit over this genocide over the murder of all these children and Palestinians, humans, despite how little he had. It just hit me again how all of our struggles are over trying to convince others, like our government representatives and each other in this room, trying to convince each other that we're human, that all of our lives are of equal worthiness, and our lives are equal to your lives. You are no more important or no less important than us on the other side of this barrier. Subhumans do not exist. That is the bottom line. Whether they're homeless, whether they're poor, whether they're taking drugs, or whether we don't agree with their political values or anything, no one is subhuman. That is the bottom line. That is what is going on here in San Francisco, the issue, the bottom issue here. Um, so I say all that to say, please support the ceasefire now resolution. This mindset affects all of us in the city, across the world, and we really can't afford to have it. Thank you, Leah McGeever, for your comments. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, Board of Supervisors. My name is Cheryl Thornton, and I am the co chair and co-founder of the Harriet Tugman Democratic Club. 
Um, today we're representing the Harry Tugman Club and its dedicated members. We extend our deepest condolences and present a heartfelt statement in memory of our esteemed founding brother, Ronald Cole Thurst. A legacy of dedication. Ronald was not merely a member, but a stalwart force behind the principles that define the Harriet Tugman Club. His commitment extended beyond meetings, becoming an inter inter intricate part of his daily life, embodying the essence of dedication. Alignment with life principles, the principles cherished by the Harriet Tugman Club resonated profoundly with Ronald's overwrenching life beliefs, his advocacy for social justice, opposition to racial inequality, and unwaveringly commitment to uplifting the black community were not organizational tenets, but reflections of his core values. A unified vision, Ronald contributes reflects a deep understanding of our community challenges, whether championing housing, education, or healthcare, his efforts were steered by his vision of unity and equity that seamlessly harmonized with the principles of the Harriet Tugman Club. A personal connection as we reflect on Ronald's legacy, we treasure the personal connection he forged within the Harriet Tugman Club. His passion, his wisdom enriched our discussions and his camaraderie strengthened the familiar bonds defining our club. Moving forward with inspiration in honoring Ronald's memory, let us draw inspiration from his unwaveringly commitment as we navigate the future. His legacy serves as a reminder of the transformation impact one individual can have when guided by principles of justice, unity, and empowerment. We extend our deepest condolences to Ronald's family and express gratitude for sharing him with us. May his spirit guide our actions and aspirations within the Harry Tugman club and resonate throughout the city and county of San Francisco. Thank you for allowing us this opportunity to commemorate the life and contributions of Ronald Cole Thurst. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl Thornton, for your comments. Good afternoon, Supervisors. My name is James Tracy. I'm the Chair of Labor and Community Studies at City College of San Francisco. I wanted to thank Supervisor Walton for your beautiful commemoration of our comrade, of our friend Ronald Coulters. Give my um, heartfelt condolences to his wonderful family and my friend Cheryl. But also wanted to remind you, got it right about Ron. He loved books. He loved black liberation. He built coalitions across the color line, but one thing that he loved that was not mentioned was holding all of y'all accountable to, to do what you said you're gonna do for social justice. And, for, and towards that, uh, I just got uh, wonderful news that uh, City College will be developing a scholarship fund for uh, Ron Ronald Colthurst and hope that you all uh, boost our signal because we are going to put a thousand more Rons out on the streets as we train them how to organize and advocate. Thank you. Thank you, James Tracy, for your comments. Welcome, Mike Speaker. Good afternoon, motherfuckers. It's Jordan. My pronouns are she, her, they, them. First off, 
Fuck question time. Oh, you haven't run my clock yet. The bullshit-ass mayor lies all the fucking time, so it ain't even worth it. Even a supervisor admitted this to me in an email. We need charter reform, but it needs to blow up this strong mayor system. Second, we need to get more remote public comment bent. I'm sick and tired of the 10 Gen Xers and one boomer on this board who value collective punishment over the greater good. We need more millennials and Gen Z on this board because this wouldn't have happened if it was. They're out the old people stanking this hole. I'm not going to run for office, so I can say whatever the fuck I want, just for the record. Speaking of collective punishment, last week we had over 300 people speak in support of the ceasefire in Gaza, including Palestinians, Jews, and all our diverse communities, and yet you sick fuck sent it to committee so Israel can continue its genocide. Well, I say you work for the people, not the Zion Nazis and the JCRC who cry wolf about anti-Semitism when people make valid criticism of Israel. It's no more anti-Semitic to criticize Israel's treatment of Gaza than it's anti-LGBT to criticize supervisors and cop bootlickers, Mandelman, Dorsey, and Guardio and Senator Weiner, or is it anti-Italian to criticize cop bootlickers, Dorsey and Guardio and Stephanie? We could have led, but we didn't, and I am fucking disappointed in you all. And lastly, I'd like to say, if Catherine Stephanie gave a fine fuck about gun violence, she, wouldn't have, she would have supported the ceasefire resolution. Because gun violence is gun violence, whether it be perpetrated by a wannabe Rambo like what happened in Vegas last week, a cop, or the IDF. Fuck these wannabe Republicans on the board who pretend to be libs when to be elected. Also, can we put a cork in that Jesus freak public commenter? Religion and this proselytization does not belong within these walls, just as much as meat and dairy does not belong on pineapple pizza. As Cradle of Phil said, Jesus is a cunt. For the last time this year, I yield my time. Fuck you. Next speaker, please. Welcome. Thank you. I don't think I've ever followed Jordan. Um, Gloria Berry here. I have three items on my agenda for comment. First, the Palestine um, resolution. I, my knees couldn't take standing in that long line, which was so beautiful to see. Um, thank you, Mr. Preston, for that. Um, all I have to say is I feel sick that us as Democrats seem like we're being silenced to speak out against what's going on over there and to support a ceasefire. But please catch on that a lot of labor unions, a lot of different groups in the city are doing it, are signing on, and please have some courage to uh, sign on as well and vote yes on that resolution. Next, I wanted to speak on a resolution that wasn't really spoke about, but that was the one that Supervisor Walton introduced in regards to the apology. The first, well, one of the recommendations of the reparations committee um, one, I felt bad that him as a black man had to do the labor for that apology. I felt that someone white should have done that. However, if it was deemed that he could articulate it the best, I understand that, but I really need for um, white supervisors to show their support in reparations and start implementing some of the recommendations that we took two years to write. The low-hanging fruit is there, and it's apparent. And I would like to close by giving condolences to Ronald Colthor's family. He was my mentor. I used to meet with him once a month. We called it a book club. I would cheat, not really read the book, but read a paragraph, talk with him, and then we'd dive straight into politics. And I'm sad that I don't know anyone right now that is not connected or has an agenda that I can get advice from anymore. And I also would like to see the board implement 
two things that he really cared about, and that's one, get higher pay for parent advocates to get their students success in school and more Delancey Street restaurant models. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next speaker, please? Good afternoon. For those who don't know me, my name is Jay Connor Birotega, and I'm a resident who loves San Francisco. This past year, everything in our city has gotten worse. Average San Franciscans are struggling to survive while this board constantly makes all residents' lives harder. As someone who works a nine-to-five job in this city, who's had their store robbed, as someone who's had their life threatened at knife point, as someone who is formerly homeless, as someone who simply struggles to survive, much like many of my fellow citizens, you sit in this chamber and have nothing to show for your yeas or nays. Elected officials pretend as if we are seeing a turn for the better, and the truth is, we are not. The police force was destroyed. Homelessness continues to grow. Overdose numbers on the rise. Businesses are forced to shut down because of theft. Asian Americans are attacked. Seniors are beaten. No one is safe. We are not safe. The supervisor says capitalism is the reason why the Tenderloin and our city is such a mess, even though he, like many, many members of this board, are multimillionaires who own multiple homes, like my current supervisor. The fact is, this board is the reason that the Tenderloin and our city continues to get worse. Now, to fix our city, we must rebuild our police department, we must remove the tents, we must get people into treatment, clean up the filthy streets, arrest the drug dealers on our streets. That is something this board cannot, has not, and will not do. Accountability needs to be held in order to ensure a safe, secure San Francisco. And because of that, I have decided to pull my papers this month and declare myself a District 3 Supervisor Candidate. Thank you, and have a great day. Thank you. Hello. My name is Jim McAfee. My registered domestic partner is Brandy Welch, currently at Laguna Honda Hospital and Rehabilitation Unit South 2. Both of us are victims of public corruption involving the San Francisco Department of Public Health, the California Department of Public Health, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. That involves the University of California San Francisco Medical Center, Laguna Honda Hospital, and Rehabilitation Center, and those involved in Laguna Honda Hospital's recertification process. Before I go any farther, Ryan Alexander, a resident in South 2 at Laguna Hospital, asked me to inform the San Francisco Board of Supervisors that he was conserved at Laguna Honda without the ability to defend himself in probate court. Ryan, I just did that for you at the San Francisco Board of Supervisors meeting during public comment period on December 12, 2023, and it's now a matter of public record. Earlier this year in a seven-page missive by San Francisco City Attorney David Chu, 
accused U.S. News and World Report of pushing shoddy data on hospital quality at the expense of unsuspecting patients. In their annual hospital ranking, quote, consumers are making health decisions based on questionable, imprecise ranking methodology. The city attorney claims U.S. News rankings are based on misleading data, such as opinion surveys. I thought to myself, city attorney, isn't that a little bit awkward? He seems to be familiar with their process. Well, there are opinion surveys involved in the recertification of Laguna Honda, of which he has made no Thank comment. Thank you, Jim McAfee, whether... for your comments. Thank you kindly. Are there any other members of the public in the chamber who'd like to address public comment this afternoon before the board? All right. Seeing none, Mr. President. Public comment is closed. Madam Clerk, would you please read the adoption without committee reference calendar? Items 50 through 52 were introduced for adoption without committee reference. A unanimous vote is required for adoption of a resolution on first reading today. Alternately, a member may request a resolution on first reading to go to committee. Seeing no names on the roster, I believe we have the same house and we will take these same call. These resolutions are adopted and motions approved. Madam Clerk, do we have any immemoria? Yes, Mr. President, <clears throat> today's meeting will be adjourned in memory of the following beloved individuals. On behalf of Supervisor Mandelman, for the late Jerry Goldstein and Mr. John Baer. On behalf of Supervisor Peskin, for the late Jack Bourbon. On behalf of Supervisor Chan and Supervisor Angardio, for the late Arnold Woods. And on behalf of Supervisor Walton, the direction of the president on behalf of the entire board of supervisors for the late Ronald Colthurst. We are adjourned. Uh. SFGov TV, San Francisco Government Television.